You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. It is Monday, April 5th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, and in just one moment, we will be joined by Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports, Jack of All Trades at 24-7 Sports, giving us a dummies guide to Alston versus the NCAA, which you probably saw about on Twitter and every single website last week. It was argued on Wednesday, March 31st, and it's a seismic one. But I also don't blame you if you don't know much about it or if you are saying another one of these things. What's the difference with this and name image likeness and all that other stuff? And what Alston versus the NCAA boils down to is does the NCAA's prohibition on compensation for college athletes violate federal antitrust law? I know what you're saying like if you're someone like me that's just I I could read and I did read like 20 articles on this listen to a few podcasts just just still like it's it's tough for me to maybe it's basketball maybe you know the brain mush is is a real thing and I'd rather spend my off season talking about spring games and stuff but this is this is very important and we'll find out the results as the Supreme Court rules in the summer and and Chris Hummer does a great job joining us to break it down and I kind of in my questions to him in our conversation I kind of attacked it from the person who has no idea what's going on which is very true and it's it's very genuine so I think if you don't know anything about Alston versus the NCAA you will enjoy listening to our conversation because I promise you, you will learn something that you can apply to your college football knowledge base and your your conversations with your friends moving forward. We got a basketball game tonight. Obviously, that's going to be on CBS uh, 920 Eastern. So make sure you're watching that. And additionally, it's another it's a huge week at CBS Sports. We have the Masters as well. And that means CBS Sports HQ will be your home for round the clock coverage from Augusta. That includes tournament picks, round by round matchups, highlights, leaderboard updates. And we even have our pal from the First Cup podcast, Kyle Porter, on site in Georgia, providing up to the minute updates. So you'll know everything there is to know from the Masters. If you're wondering what CBS Sports HQ is, it's our 24-7, 365 days a year sports network. How do you get it? It's easy. It's also free, which is great. Just go to cbssports.com, the CBS Sports mobile app, or fire up the CBS Sports app on your connected TV and watch yourself become the most in-the-nose sports fan on your group text. So big week. Watch hoops tonight. Take a few days off from you know sports and lock in to see if Jordan Spieth, my guy, had a class with him at, at Texas. He never showed up because he was going pro. We'll see if my guy Jordan Spieth can. Uh, he's been playing so well recently. That's who I might put my money on. One college football note before we get into Chris Hummer on helping us break down Austin versus the NCAA. Clemson had its spring game on Saturday, one of the first spring games we have. This year, Tigers looked good. DJ Uyunglele looked good. New running back Kobe Pace, who Anna Hickey talked about on Friday's episode of the College Football Daily. She correctly nailed that he might be the breakout player to replace Travis Etienne, but it wasn't all good news for the Tigers. Backup quarterback Tyson Pumachan towards Achilles, which is just an absolutely horrible injury to suffer in a spring game. Of course, quarterbacks aren't getting hit and stuff, but Achilles is, is a non-contact injury. DJ Uyangale is the starter. 
Pumachan wasn't regarded as like this lock to be a, a totally championship worthy, capable replacement. If something happened to Uyangalale and, and you hate to kind of think about that stuff, but if you're Clemson, you have a history at this point now of needing your backup quarterback to win you a few games dating back to the last few years. Chase Bryce, when Trevor Lawrence went out the week after Kelly Bryant transferred. And then of course, what DJ Uyangalale had to do in a few games last year when Trevor Lawrence went out with COVID. So if you're Clemson, I wonder if it's time to hit the college football transfer portal to find someone who who is cool with being a backup and being the next man up and you know competing for a championship it's kind of slim pickings for the quarterback position in the transfer portal most of these guys have, have made their decisions but we'll see clemson is not really a portal school but we'll see if the uh the unfortunate spring game injury forces them into some action there okay we're going to take a quick break and then chris hummer is going to join us the college football daily will be right back this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bringing in Chris Hummer right now. You know, I've listened to some podcasts on this. I've read as many articles as I could, as I can. I think sometimes it just, this kind of thing just goes in one ear and out the other. And look, I'm putting you in a tough spot, Chris. You don't have a law degree. You didn't go to Washington to cover the case, but you do a good job with this kind of stuff. So tell me in the NCAA versus Alston, which simply is a case in which the Supreme Court has to decide whether college athletes can be paid above and beyond their currently allotted scholarship. Tell me your best read on this based on the hearing that was last Wednesday, March 31st. Well, I definitely, I definitely don't have a lot of agree. I agree with that. Uh, I think, I think really quick, it's important to just give some overall context to the case. Um, essentially, it was filed by a former West Virginia running back, uh, Sean Austin, in 2014. It was in the courts for a really long time. It wasn't ruled on until 2019, essentially. And the judge who ruled on it was the same judge who ruled against the NCAA and the O'Bannon case. So that judge in that particular part of the country has been viewed as a very favorable judge for these type of cases, uh, for student athletes especially. So that's the context there. Essentially, the ruling stated that the NCAA can't cap educational benefits for athletes. For a long time, the NCAA had ruled that expanded benefits for athletes that go outside of a certain kind of bracket would incentivize essentially pay for play. But the judge at the time stopped short of creating a free market, which is why this isn't necessarily a pay for pay case. And she said that only unlimited benefits could apply to educational things. So books, laptops, stuff like that. So that's that's kind of the bet. The NCAA wasn't happy. They appealed to the Ninth Circuit. The Ninth Circuit shot them down. The ruling from the Ninth Circuit at the time was saying that our antitrust laws were originally meant to prohibit this sort of distortion. So at the essence of this, it's an antitrust case. And Trey, like we know what antitrust means. Should we explain it? You want to explain it? Antitrust laws, and this is this is the most fun college football podcast in the world, right? Antitrust laws refer to kind of legislation, and it prevents the concentration of economic power. I think famously, railroads were the first big monopoly in American kind of economics, or at least the first big monopoly that drew the ire of antitrust laws. And it's called essentially the Sherman Act. 
And it's just preventing corporations from having a monopoly over one item of the public or one commercial thing. Facebook and Amazon are under a lot of scrutiny for potentially being monopolies. Facebook, because of the way it aggressively acquired some of its competition, acquiring Instagram, essentially putting Snapchat out of business by giving Instagram. Yeah. And Facebook in that marketplace. And essentially that they're under a lot of scrutiny for violating antitrust laws or potentially violating antitrust laws, which is what the Department of Justice kind of has thrown at them. But we're getting a little off subject. So, well, hold on. So like for what, what's the parallel then for college athletics in the NCAA? Is it that all these schools under the NCAA umbrella are, even though they're rivals on the field, kind of teaming up to yep. monopolize the rules? Well, they're teaming up to essentially deflate the marketplace. They're limiting the amount of money somebody can make in the free market. And these these cases are really interesting because actually both sides are kind of arguing antitrust elements of this. So as you said there, these corporations or colleges, as you say, these conferences are preventing players from obtaining their free market value and they're working together to do so which is what uh, proponents of athletes would kind of say in these situations. And the NCAA would contend that it is maintaining a free market by having these rules in place to protect competitive balances. So we don't have Alabama players making a million dollars each and Eastern Michigan getting by with guys just working for free, essentially. We don't want Alabama to have better players than Eastern Michigan. Yes, at least that's the that's the NCAA's contention with this. So it's a it's a really interesting balance of both sides kind of playing up the antitrust argument. But in terms of Alston, it has more to do with suppression of the market than it does the competitive balance uh, nationally. And that all of that leads to the NCAA appealing to the Supreme Court to kind of strike down this ruling from the Ninth Circuit. So if a ruling happens this summer, which is when it's expected to happen, throw out NLI for just one hot minute, Chris. If the Supreme Court you know, votes in favor of, the, of Alston here, rules in favor, that means what is the tangible action that can then happen? Since it's about suppression, it's not like the Supreme Court's telling Tennessee it has to pay its players, right? I do need to be clear. It's not paying players. These are still educational benefits. I think a really good example of this would be what the NCAA is claiming will happen is a player will be recruited. Let's say they're a really high profile player and they're going to North Carolina for basketball. There's a Jordan brand school. They're saying that this athlete, this five star, the 2027 class can come to this school. They want to do uh, fashion design and North Carolina is going to hook them up with a $500,000 internship at Nike through that connection. And what the NCAA is claiming is that other schools can't match that. So it creates a competitive imbalance. While proponents of athlete rights, essentially, and also in this case, is contending that by putting a cap on their educational benefits, it prevents players from getting opportunities they otherwise would be able to if they weren't student athletes. Can you believe how dumb the NCAA is? They are worried about that like okay the the north carolina player is a great example chris does the ncaa not realize that regardless of what happens with the nba's one and done rule we are on a slow trickle that's you know speeding up where the top basketball players in the country like the elites the top 10 those guys are are really enamored by the g league ucla which was in the final four the other day their starting point guard was supposed to be dacian nicks who signed with the bruins and then was recruited 
to the G League. A top three player in the class, Jalen Green, was recruited to the G League. They formed a G League super team. There is an absolute brain drain of top basketball talent to the professional ranks already. Do they not also realize that ratings are down in college basketball? Interest is down. The game is bad. If you are making $500,000 at a shoe company, and that is incentivizing you to stay in college three to four years, do they not realize how much better the product would be? And then for football, if they don't think that the COVID-19 pandemic saw a Pandora's box of sort be opened, where you see a guy like Jamar Chase opt out to zero consequence because he will still be the number one receiver taken, which was very evident on his pro day, if they don't think that's going to create an avalanche effect of other players doing that, then they're totally in the wrong. Because if Micah Parsons and Jamar Chase and all those guys can, can opt out and still be first round picks, what's to say that DJ Uyangalale won't do the same thing after this next season and just and just train safely, bide his time, and no longer be a student athlete and be a professional and get paid for Instagram marketing? I mean, it's just it's just insane. Absolutely. And Darius Baisley, I think, is a really good example of what you were just talking about. I think two years ago, he was supposed to be a Syracuse signee. He did commit yep. to the Orange. He committed to go pro. And a big part of that, he went to go play in Australia, but he also had a $500,000 internship with a shoe company. And if you incentivize college players to stay in college and do that there, I think it helps save the college game, as you said. In the long term, I really think the NCAA is going to continue to fight tooth and nail to fight against the thing that's going to save itself. But 10 years from now, if we have NIL, I really think the college game is going to be healthier because of it. Because the best players are going to be incentivized to stay longer. So those players who might not have a future in the NFL or the NBA, they're going to be incentivized to stay in college and try their luck there instead of going internationally and playing ball. And it's going to also incentivize the top recruits to come to college for a year. You get that experience with your peers and you also, you're going to make a little bit of money. Like it's it's a no-brainer to me, but... As you said, the NCAA is kind of its uh, worst enemy a lot of times. Now, you said 10 years for name, image, likeness. We're not expecting it to take nearly that long, are we? No, I think name, image, and likeness, which is separate from this Austin case, will be in place in some form or fashion this year. I don't know where it's going to come from. I'm actually working on a story right now about Florida's upcoming law that goes into place in July. Essentially, Florida will be able to start its uh, name, image, and likeness stuff in July, although there's a lot of complications for that. But I think the expectation is that Congress will eventually create some sort of bill whether that's this summer, uh, before that July date, or next fall, I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows at this point, but that's kind of the expectation. We'll have it sooner rather than later. So if Congress creates a bill for that and the NCAA hates it, what's the legal term for hating it and taking it to the Supreme Court? Can it happen? Well, Can it go into effect? Yes, because okay. Congress supersedes every other state and governing body, even corporations in a lot of cases. So if they if they put a law into effect on the books, the NCAA has to follow it. And the NCAA wants Congress to go forward with the law. They certainly want their lobbying hard for Congress to view things the way they view it in terms of amateurism and the model and limiting it as much as possible. But the NCAA is kind of stuck. Uh, the Department of Justice, I think we remember in October, the NCAA put out kind of guidelines for NIL uh, that they were planning to pass or kind of pass in early January after the governing bodies of the divisions looked at them, made their changes, made their suggestions, sent them back to the Division One Council and they approved it, which would have it was supposed to take place in January. It never did. And that's because the Department of Justice told them, no, it's an antitrust issue, going back to that word. So... Mark Emmer had to back down, and now Congress is kind of the institution the NCAA is expecting to put NIL laws into place, because if not, what we're going to have is 27 to 50 states with different rulings on NIL, and it's just going to be a mess. And 
we were talking about Alston earlier. This stuff is all kind of connected, but not really. Alston really has no bearing on NIL at all. But how the court rules, I think it's going to be a pretty good indication for how liberal or conservative Congress is with its bills. Um, I think it'll be a good barometer for that. Well, and Congress has been rather bipartisan with the name, image, likeness stuff, too. Well, it's it's a good headline, uh, no matter who you are as a congressman. I think student athletes' yeah. rights are pretty popular. It's not it's not divisive, and these are like when congressional leaders see a chance to kind of cross the aisle and hold hands for a second, they're going to do it because they agree on so few things right now, and this is one of them. Yeah, and I think that was as you said, that was on display in the Supreme Court, where you got liberals, you got conservatives, you got people in between. They all were roasting the NCAA and its lawyers. So yeah, when you have when you have Elena Kagan and Brett Kavanaugh asking essentially the same question and roasting the NCAA on the same issue, like that's very rare and kind of indicates how it went for the NCAA at Congress or uh, the Supreme Court. Name dropping Supreme Court justices. You are, man, Chris, that's, that's a talent. You were just the other day writing about NFL draft myths and why the narrative about Justin Fields is ridiculous. And now you're talking about the Supreme Court. You're a smart guy. And, and maybe you did, as you used to tell me in college all the time, maybe you really did get into Cornell and just chose to not go. There. All right, Chris Hummer. I mean, I went, to, I went to a public Ivy. I went to a public Ivy. That's not, that's not disrespect, Texas. Well, I, I went to the same school too. And I think you know a lot more about this than I do. Appreciate Chris joining us and helping break that down. He spent his last week covering college hoops and college football and transfer portal and Jalen Suggs, the Gonzaga star, and why he was our expert recollections of Jalen Suggs, the high school football quarterback. And then Chris Hummer joins in to talk Supreme Court cases. So good stuff, a good guy to have on your 24-7 sports team. Our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. We will talk to you on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.